Welcome, I'm Nestor Flores, the pastor of Dayspring Church in Mission Hills, California. Thank you for tuning in to our podcast. I want to invite you to learn more about Dayspring Church by visiting our website, dayspringmh.org. We trust that if you open your heart, God will speak to you and you'll know how to live a life with God at the center that will result in a blessed life. This message will inspire, build your faith, and help you to know God better. Enjoy the message. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. I I have the awesome privilege to come before you and minister the word of the Lord. And and I pray that I will be able to convey what God has placed in my heart. I also pray that I will be able to encourage you just a tiny bit. So when you walk out of here, you'll, you'll have more faith than when you walked in here. I, uh, I honestly thought I was going to have to compete with Argentina and France, <laughs> but Argentina just won, so you don't have to look at your phones. I am, uh, I am so blessed to be able to stand before you and minister the word of the Lord. This is my favorite time of the year. I love the, the, the family gatherings and large meals and the lights, and this is just a wonderful time of the year, and I, I'm just, uh, just so glad to be here. Uh, this afternoon. Uh, we are in a series called uh, Come Let Us Adore Him. Uh, when you walked in, you should have received uh, a bulletin, and in that bulletin there's an outline. If you didn't receive one, just raise your hands, and Pastor Tony will give one to you. Just raise your hands. Praise God. We are, uh, we are in a series, as I said, uh, Come Let Us Adore Him, and, and our pastor last week asked the question, what would you say is our proper response to Christmas? What would be the proper response to Christmas? The proper response to Christmas would be to worship, to praise, to adore the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. In our, in our first uh, week, our pastor talked about uh, John the Baptist came and point, pointed the way. Last week, our pastor talked about the Magi and the gifts. So this week, I want to talk to you about a man by the name of Zechariah. Zechariah. Zechariah's song. So uh, there in your outline, if you will just pull it out and we'll read together. Zechariah's song. It says, His father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied. Praise to the Lord the God of Israel, because he has come to his people and redeemed them. He has raised up a horn of salvation for the house of the servant of David. You know, Jesus was called the son of David because the Bible says that his descendants would reign on the throne forever. As he said through his holy prophets long ago, salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us to show mercy to our ancestors and to remember his holy covenant. The oath he swore to our father Abraham to rescue us from the hand of our enemies and to enable us to serve him without fear. Holiness and righteousness before him all of our days. And you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High. For you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him to give his people the knowledge of salvation through forgiveness of their sins. And I want to focus on verse 78 and 79. Because of his tender mercies, mercy of our God, by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven 
to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death and to guide our feet in the path of peace. This is a song that Zechariah sang when he was visited by the angel Gabriel. A song is a, is a sacred hymn. It's a sacred hymn that gives, gives God the honor, the praise, and the worship. We sing songs here. The people of Israel sang songs when they left uh, Egypt after 400 years and it's enslaved. And, and we sing songs in adoration and worship of the Lord. So let's go before the Lord in prayer. Let's ask the Lord to bless us. Heavenly Father, we come before you. We thank you for this wonderful opportunity you've given us, Lord, to be in this place, to be able to uplift you, to praise you, to worship you, to magnify your name, God. Lord, now we come at the table, Lord, to be served from up above. We ask, Lord, that these words, God, that I speak may be, may be spoken from on high. Anoint my lips of clay, God, that your word may come alive in our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. And can the church of God say amen. amen. I'd like to preach on the subject, a miraculous Christmas. Luke is a story of Jesus. The gospel of, of Luke is filled with the miraculous. You know, everything that God does is miraculous. His birth was miraculous. The life that he lived was miraculous. His death on Calvary's cross was miraculous in that it brought forgiveness. And surely his resurrection from the dead was miraculous. The Bible declares in Psalm 77, 14, there in your outline, that God is a God of miracles. And it says, God, you are the God who performs miracles. You display your power among your people. Christmas is about the miraculous. And the God that we serve is a God of miracles. The God that we serve is a God of hope. The God that we serve is a God of, of light and liberty and healing. We often say that Jesus is the reason for the season. And I like what our pastor said. Not only is Jesus the reason for the season, but you are also the reason for the season. For the reason Jesus came on this earth and wrapped himself in flesh was to redeem mankind from their sins. And so you are part of that miraculous. You are part of the miraculous Christmas. You are a miracle. You are unique and have been created with a special destiny. You are a pearl of great price in his hands. You are a priceless treasure. You might have made mistakes, but you are no mistake. You are God's choice. Can I get a witness? You are not the result of chance. You are the result of God's love. And I want to tell you this morning that God loves to respond to our feelings. He loves to listen. He loves to comfort. And he loves to speak truth to us. And why do I say this? Because when you are feeling alone, God has promised to never forsake us and never abandon us. When you are feeling anxious, God has promised us to calm our fears. When you are feeling disappointed, God has promised us 
to give us hope. When you are sad, God has promised to be close to us. You are a Christmas miracle, and that's what Christmas is about. Can someone say amen? And so let me say this, that for most people, Christmas is a wonderful time of year. It is a time of family gatherings and large, delicious meals. Can I get a witness? It's a time of lights and tinsels and Christmas trees and Christmas tunes. It's a time for giving and receiving. It's a time to to be thankful and appreciate those who we love the most. But for others, Christmas is a time of loneliness and sorrow as they deal with the heartbreak of of missing uh, a person that is no longer with us or no longer here. Uh, For others, Christmas is a a painful time because they lack the resources uh, to give to people they love what they want them to have. But for the church, for you and I who have been called out of darkness into his marvelous light, Christmas is a time of celebration. I said Christmas is a time of celebration. It doesn't matter that Jesus was probably born some other time of the year. It doesn't matter matter whether it was winter or summer or fall. It doesn't matter what matters is that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. That's what Christmas is about. Praise God. Christmas is about Jesus. Amen. Christmas is more than eggnog. And Christmas is more than lights. And Christmas is more than trees. Christmas is about Jesus who wrapped himself in human flesh, came and dwelt among us. Christmas is about Emmanuel who came to dwell with us. Can I get a witness? He saved us from the wrath of hell. He saved us from the wrath of hell. Praise God. You know what's more important is his presence. Presence, not the presence under the tree. His presence is more important. That's what Christmas is about. Amen. You know, Tony Evans tells a story that he came home and his wife had wrapped wrapped up these boxes with Christmas wrappings and she placed it outside as decorations. And when he came home, he, he asked his wife, you know, he thought that the the delivery man, or for you millennials, the, de- the delivery person, was going to pick up those boxes. And so he said, aren't you afraid that someone's going to come and take them or steal them? And she said, no, those are just empty boxes. There's nothing in them. They're just wrapped up in Christmas decoration. And you see, that's how a lot of people are. They're wrapped up in the gifts, and they're wrapped up in the trees, and they're wrapped up in the lights, and they're wrapped up in all these things, praise God. And they're empty inside. But you and I, who know Jesus Christ, who have been saved by his blood, and know what we're celebrating, we are not empty inside. Jesus is inside of us. We have Emmanuel. The God, amen, who is with us. That's what Christmas is about. (laughs) Praise God. You know, in our text, the Bible says that the angel Gabriel appeared to Zechariah. And if if you're familiar with the story of Zechariah, Zechariah was a priest. And he is in the temple. And he is lighting incense. 
He is performing his, his priestly duties. And, and so the Bible says that the angel Gabriel appears to Zechariah and he tells Zechariah that his wife Elizabeth is going to have a baby, is going to be pregnant. And so Zechariah doubts the words of the angel. And because he doubts the word of the angel, the Bible says that Zechariah is left speechless. He is mute. He is unable to speak. And for nine months, Zechariah was unable to speak. Can you imagine, sisters? <laughs> Not having your husband speak for nine months. Someone said amen. <laughs> But later the Bible says that, that the baby is born. And Zechariah calls his name John. Now just to back up a little bit, these two people, uh, uh, Elizabeth and Zechariah, uh, they were both uh, past their childbearing years. But later when that baby is born, Zechariah calls his name John. Now, our pastor spoke about this in the first, uh, the first series. John the Baptist, the forerunner to the Messiah. And he calls himself John. He calls him John in obedience to the angel of the Lord, the forerunner of the Messiah, in obedience to the angel. Now, Zechariah, the Bible says that his speech is restored. And so when after his speech is restored, the Bible says that he lifts up his voice in praise. And in this incredible passage that we have read, it is a passage of praise. This old man, Zechariah, lifts up his voice, praise God, in a song and praises God. Oh, come, let us adore him. Praise God. Oh, come, let us adore him. I'm wondering if someone can just adore him for just five, five seconds. Hallelujah. Can we just raise up our hands and say, thank you, Jesus. Hey, let's, let's come and adore him. Praise God. God has been good to us. Praise God. God has been wonderful to us. God has saved us from the miry clay and set our foots on rocks to stay. Oh, come let us adore him. Let's give God a hand praise. In this wonderful song that we have read, he speaks of the coming Messiah. And he gives a, a prophecy concerning his son. And I, I like uh, when, when we lit the candles, that prophecy in Isaiah 9, 6. For unto us a child is, uh, and Yahshua called his name Wonderful Counselor, the Everlasting Father. It was a prophecy. And Zechariah concludes by mentioning that the sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness. Now here's Zechariah. It is a direct reference to the Lord Jesus Christ. And get this, Jesus Christ here is pictured as the sun rising upon a world that is trapped in darkness. And so this morning I want to dwell on verses 78 and 79. And these verses tell us about the rays of heaven's sunrise and what they accomplished when Jesus, our Savior, was born. And so there in your outline we are told... Amen. About three areas that dramatically changed by the warmth of the sun's rays from heaven. 
And so the first thing we have is that he brings the light of liberty to those in darkness. Now you could write this down. He brings the light of liberty to those in darkness. You know, Jesus came to a world that was bound in spiritual darkness. The Jewish religion had degenerated until it was nothing more than formalism or, or legalism. And the spiritual aspect of their religion had long passed away. It was a dark spiritual day when Jesus was born in this world. You know, God did not send his son into a great spiritual revival. As a matter of fact, God did not speak for 400 years. God did not speak. From the last book of the Old Testament, Malachi, to the last chapter, to the first book of the, of, of, of the New Testament in Matthew, there was a gap of 400 years that God did not speak. There was no word from any prophet. There was no scripture written. For 400 years, God did not speak. It wasn't until John came and gave witness of that light. And God sent his son to those who were floundering around in darkness. And many saw the light of Jesus and were led out of that darkness that day. We think of Matthew and, and Peter and Andrew and James and John. Remember Mary Magdalene, who the Bible says that God, that Jesus cast out seven demons from her? Remember the Gadarean demonic, even the mother of Jesus, uh, and all others who were delivered from the darkness by the light of the life of the sun rays from heaven. 2,000 years later, that Christmas miracle is still working, Brother Steve. 2,000 years later, he is still working. Praise God. 2,000 years later, he is still transforming. 2,000 years later, he is still saving. 2,000 years later, God is still healing. 2,000 years later, God is still changing lives. And I want to tell you, if you haven't accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you can do this today. Because 2,000 years later, that Christmas miracle is still working. And he can change. And he can transform. And he can heal. And he can save you this morning. That's what the Christmas miracle is about, praise God. Can someone say amen? He brought us out of darkness into his marvelous light. He brought Brother Steve out of darkness into his marvelous light. Praise God. Hallelujah. He brought Mark out of darkness into his marvelous light. He brought Pastor Nestor out of darkness into his marvelous light. He brought me out of darkness into his marvelous light. And if God brought me out of darkness, he could surely do it for you. Praise God. I said if he brought me out of darkness he can surely do it for you that's what Christmas is about praise God Christmas is about hope because Jesus came to bring hope amen he is our hope and I've often say that Jesus doesn't have the answer Jesus is the answer praise God you know things haven't changed in fact, the world is, dark, is, is, darker, is, is in a darker spiritual condition today than it was then. I mean, we have more lights. Think about all the Bibles we have. Uh, there's a church in every corner now. Amen? Praise God. The darkness of the world has millions trapped. 
Why? Because they're in your line. They're going to put it up there. Because I like what King James says. Because men love darkness more than they love light. Praise God. Men need the light of Jesus to shine in their lives. To make them free. That's why the Bible says, He who the Son has set free. Come on, somebody. He who the Son has set free is free indeed. And so the good news this morning is that not everyone is trapped in darkness this morning. Do you remember the time or the day when the light of God shined into the darkness of your life? Do you remember what it was like to see yourself as as you really were, praise God? Do you remember when the light of Jesus shined in, in, in your darkness? Praise God. I mean, who would ever thought that you'd be in a place like this? <laughs> who'd ever thought you'd be raising your hands? Who'd ever thought you'd be in Dayspring Church singing songs? Praise God. Who'd ever thought you'd be acting crazy in a Pentecostal church? Who'd ever thought you'd be here? But it was Jesus. It was that Christmas miracle. It was the light of Jesus who came into your life and transformed your life. Praise God. That's what the Christmas miracle is about. Praise God. Can someone say amen? Amen. Praise God. God offered you light and hope. And that's what Jesus did for you. Look at what 1 Peter says. It says, but you, you, turn around to your neighbor and tell him you, you are a chosen people. Praise God. Amen. You are a chosen people. That ought to make you shout. A royal priesthood. A holy nation. Hallelujah. God's special possession. That's what Christmas is about. That you may declare the praises of him who called you out of what? Out of darkness into what? His marvelous light, praise God. That's the miraculous. That's what Christmas is about. Notice what uh, what uh, 2 Corinthians 4, 6 says. It says, for God, who said, let the light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. That's what Christmas is about. Amen? So the first thing is that he brings light of liberty to those in darkness. And the second thing is that he brings the light of life to those under death. They're going to put it up there. You can write this down. He brings the light of life to those under death. Now look at what verse 79 says. And in the shadow of death. Now, the Bible tells us here that Jesus came to bring light into the very shadow of death. Now, death is a fearful thing. Nobody said amen. Amen. But it is. Death is a fearful thing. You know, someone once said, it's it's not that I'm afraid to die, it's that I just don't want to be there when it happens. (laughs) And I think all of us have that, right? We, we, We just don't want to think about it. I remember our former pastor, you know, Pastor Justin Garcia, World War II fighter pilot, uh, established the city of Irwindale, established the first police department in, in Irwindale. He was the mayor of Irwindale. 
And I asked him, I said, uh, he was 84, and I asked him, Pastor, I said, I asked him about death, and he said, Manolo, I know where you're going with this. He says, I'm in no hurry. He says, I'm ready to go, but I'm not in a hurry. Wow, that's pretty deep. <laughs> yeah. Wow, what an attitude, right? He says, I'm ready to go, but I'm not in a hurry. You know, no one wakes up in the morning and says, man, I think I'll die today. No. Death is a fearful thing. We all live under its shadow. Look at what Hebrews chapter 9 verse 27 says. It says, and they're going to put it up there, just as people are destined to die once and after that to face judgment. I like the, what the King James Version says. It says that we, we are destined to die and then judgment. However, let me tell you, my friend, that we must always remember that the Lord Jesus Christ faced death for us. Amen. And so the bottom line is this, that none of us is more than a heartbeat away from eternity at, every given, at any given moment. Amen? But Jesus, Jesus faced death for us. He indeed died for all of us so that those who live might no longer live for themselves but live for him for their sake who died and was raised. I like what Billy Graham said. Billy Graham said, Someday you will read or hear that Billy Graham is dead. Don't believe a word of it. I shall be more alive than I am now. I will, I will just have changed my address. I will have gone into the presence of God. <laughs> you know, at the end of our lives, it, it doesn't matter what type of clothes you wore. It doesn't matter how popular you wore. It doesn't matter the type of shoes that you wore. It doesn't matter the type of car that you drove. It doesn't matter the house, the house that you lived in. You know what's going to matter? Your relationship with Jesus Christ. That's the only thing that's going to matter. Can someone say amen? Praise God. The Bible tells us in Matthew chapter 28 that he conquered death on our behalf. Therefore, we do not need to fear death. Praise God. Look at, look at what... Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 53 says, it says, For this perishable body must put on imperishable, and this mortal body must put on immortality. Verse 54, when the perishable puts on the imperishable, and the mortal puts on the immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that it is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the what? Say it louder. The victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brother, be steadfast, immovable, Always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Praise God. 
Death is nothing more than just a doorway in which we pass from this world into the presence of God. It is no more to be feared than a shadow on the wall. That's why the Bible tells us, the psalmist wrote, he says, Though I walk through the valleys of the shadows of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me. Can someone say amen? Because God is with us. God describes it this way, and it's not in your outline. In Psalms 116, 15, he says, Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his faithful servant. You know, when death comes to the child of God, it's not a monster to be feared. It's a friend to be embraced. Notice what the Apostle Paul said. There in 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 6 to 8, he describes his death as departure. Notice, he says, For I am already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time of my departure is near. Praise God. The Apostle Paul, when he faced that hour of death, he said it was a departure. Now this is a very expressive word. It was used by armies in the time to strike the tents. It was, it was used by sailors to refer to the loosing or the moorings of, and setting sail. Travelers used it to refer to the end of a journey when the horses were put in a stable. Those in the legal profession used it to refer to the freeing of prisoners. Now, Paul doesn't face death with the spirit of fear. Now, I forgot to write this down, but verse 8, amen, he, he writes... He says, now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day. And not only me, but also to all those who have longed for his appearance. Now Paul knows that there is more to come after he passes death's shadow. And believe me, it will be better on the other side. Amen? It will be better on the other side. Notice what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4.17. He says, For our present troubles are small and won't last very long. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. And will last forever. If you aren't convinced, just remember how death reacted when Jesus was around. The Bible tells us that Jesus attended four funerals. Jairus' daughter, the widow of Nay's son, Lazarus, and his own burial. And while here on earth, each time he changed that funeral into a time of rejoicing because Jesus raised him from the dead. Amen. Amen. You see, everywhere the light of life traveled, death had to flee. Amen. If you are in Jesus this morning, let me tell you that death has no claim on you. 
because Jesus has already conquered death forever. We may lay down these temporary bodies, praise God, but something is better is waiting for us on the other side. For the Bible says that the trumpet shall sound and the dead in Christ shall rise up first and we which are alive and remain shall be caught up to meet Jesus in the air. And these, these bodies, praise God, these temporary bodies will be transformed, praise God, from perishable to imperishable and we will be with the King of kings and the Lord of lords forever, praise God. That's what Christmas is about, praise God, that Jesus came to bring light, praise God, not only to those in darkness, but to bring light to those who are living under the shadow of death, praise God. Death is not to be feared. Death, praise God, for the believer is a glorious thing, for we will meet our King, we will meet our Lord, we will meet our Maker, praise God, on that day, and we will stand before Him, and we will kneel, and we will bless, and we will praise, and we will worship God, praise God. That's what Christmas is about, that Jesus came to bring light to, hallelujah, to a dark world, and light to those who are under the shadows of death, praise God. Praise God. Amen. I like the, how they, they, they lit the light. Praise God. I remember when I was growing up and I was talking to Brother Alex on Friday and he was telling me, hey, where did you come from? I said, well, I came from a very Pentecostal church and it reflects who I am. And I said it had the black influence. But there was a song that we used to sing. I don't know if they remember. It's this little light of mine. I'm going to let it shine, this little light of mine. I'm going to let it shine, this little light of mine. I'm going to let it shine, let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. And then we used to sing, on the devil's face, I'm going to let it shine. On the devil's face, I'm going to let it shine. On the devil's face. I'm gonna let it shine, let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Woo! Don't get me started, brother. Praise God. That's what Christmas is about. That Jesus came to give us light when we were in darkness. To give us life when we were under the shadows of death. Praise God. Jesus came to bring light, praise God, to all of us. And that's what Christmas is about. Praise God. Can someone say amen? That's what Christmas is about. Jesus bringing light. Bless you. So he brings light of liberty to those under darkness. And then he brings the light of life to those under death. And last, he brings the light of leadership to those without direction. Look at what verse 79 says. To guide our feet into the path of peace. The Bible says that we were blind in our sins and our trespasses. Amen. And we were blind. Nowhere to go. I've often say probably the worst thing is to be blind. And I have a brother, and I'm not gonna say brother, but he's legally blind, really, he is. And uh, I won't say it. <laughs> 
The Bible says that we were blind in our sins and our trespasses. Hey, nowhere to go. May you ever walk into a house where it's just dark? And you're looking for the, the light switch? I remember when we went to the caverns bit where my sister used to live in Colorado Springs. They have some caverns or caverns. or What do they call them? Taverns, a place where you drink, right? Yeah. Oh, how do you know? Come on. <laughs> oh, we just discovered someone. <laughs> we went, and it was dark. It was pitch dark. And, and our guide, he lit a lamp. And when he lit that lamp, the entire room just lit up. Praise God. That's how we were. And we were walking in darkness. Amen. Bumping into things. Bumping into sin and bumping into adultery. and Bumping into all these things that are no good. Come on. Amen. But when Jesus came and offered us the light, what did we do? And when we accepted that light, amen, God opened up our eyes and we were no longer blind. Praise God. Now we could see Jesus. Now we could see the light. Now we could see eternity. Now we could see our life changed and transformed by the power of the light. That's what Jesus Christ came to do, to bring us light. Praise God. Amen. That's why I like all these Christmas lights. Praise God. Whether the world likes it or not, they are celebrating Christmas. Amen. December 25th, whether they like it or not. And yes, he might have not been born the 25th, but we are celebrating. And if anybody has a right to celebrate Christmas, it is those who know Jesus. Let me say that again. If anybody has a right to celebrate Christmas, it is those who know Jesus. It is those who have been saved by Jesus. Praise God. We have a right. And this is a wonderful opportunity to tell people about Jesus. Praise God. He came to bring light to those in darkness. And so, last but not least, to guide our feet into the path of peace. To guide our feet. None of us know how to walk for God as we should. You know, left to our own devices, we will merely tend farther away from God. Isaiah tells us that we are like sheep who have gone astray. In fact, the Bible teaches us that following our own ways leads nowhere to death, but to death. Amen? But Jesus came to give us light of his guidance. Mark, can you play some more? You see, when we received him as our Savior, we were given three heavenly helpers that makes the difference between us knowing where we're going and just wandering aimlessly around. So the first thing he gave us is he gave us a new heart. You know, the Bible tells us that the natural heart is wicked. Jeremiah chapter 17 verse 9 tells us that the, above all things, the heart is wicked. And Jesus made us a new creation. The Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians that we are new creations in Christ Jesus. The old we have put away or has passed away. God has made everything new. You are a new creation. Praise God. You are a new creation. You don't need plastic surgery. You don't need a facelift. 
You don't need any of that. You have Jesus. And he has made you whole. And he has made you saved. He gave us a heart. Hungry for Jesus. Hungry for Jesus. Have you ever been hungry? You know, people don't, uh, don't like when I say this, but I don't like tamales. Yeah? What? <laughs> am I gonna be am I gonna be stoned? <laughs> but there's this place that my wife goes and, and she loves tamales. By the way, tamales the price of tamales have gone up. Yeah. That's right. You know, they used to be like $2. Now they're three fifty for little, and they make them smaller. You remember those chocolates they used to sell at school? They used to be thick, you know. Now they're selling them for two bucks in the real tent. Dude, there was one time I was really, really hungry. My wife was in Mexico. There's a lady down the street selling tamales, and I don't like tamales, but I was hungry. <laughs> And I went, and I thought she was selling maybe bre breakfast burritos, but I was so hungry. I asked her, I said, pues que vende? She said, chocolate, champurrado y, y tamales. I said, all right, well, give me champurrado and chocolate, because I can't cook to save my life. I mean, I burned water. My wife was in Mexico, and my kids ate out of the golden arches. <laughs> but he gave, I, I went and bought the tamales, and I got to tell you, they were the most delicious tamales that I've ever had. That's because I was hungry. You know, Jesus gave us a hunger. A hunger for him. You know, our church should be packed. It should be filled. Praise God. We make up every excuse we can. It's cold, it's hot, it's windy, it's raining. We should do everything we can to get to this place, to meet Jesus. Because when we come into this place, we encourage one another with songs and worship and praise. Praise God. When we come into this place, His presence fills us. We ought to have that hunger, praise God, to say it's Sunday morning and I'm going to make the opportunity. I'm going to make the chance. I'm going to come to this place because I'm hungry for His presence. I'm hungry for Him. I'm hungry for Him to fill me, praise God. You see, Jesus came and gave His life on that Christmas day. He, he died for you and died and He resurrected with power so that you would make up all these excuses and look the, at the cross and put it aside. No, the Christmas miracle is still working. You ought to have a desire and a hunger every Sunday morning to say, hey, I'm going to come to church and I'm going to be filled with this presence and I'm going to be filled with this power. Praise God. It might not be December 25th, but it might just be a Sunday where you say, I'm just going to go and be filled with this presence and this power because God saved me and because 
because he saved me, I owe it to him to lift up my hands. I owe it to him to lift up my voice. I owe it to him to lift him up in worship. I owe it to him to come to this place and give him the glory and the praise and the honor because 2,000 years ago, he came and died. He came and wrapped himself in swaddling clothes and in the flesh and was born for you and I. We owe it to him to come, to bless him and to worship him and to honor him and to give him praise. That's what Christmas is about. Praise God. That's what Christmas is about. Praise God. Not only that, he gave us the Holy Spirit and I'm done with this. He gave us the Holy Spirit to guide us. I'm sorry. He gave us the Holy Spirit to guide us. He also gave us his word. He also gave us his word. What's the goal of his work? To bring us perfect peace. God wants you to have peace in this condition. That you are no longer in darkness. That you are no longer in the shadow of death. And that God will give you direction. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that God will give you a peace that passes all understanding. He will give you a peace that passes all understanding. So if you haven't accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, I want to give you that opportunity this morning to do so. We hope you enjoyed this message. But before you go, we want to extend an invitation to start a personal relationship with Jesus and declare Him your God. No one loves you like Jesus, and no one will impact your life for good like Jesus will. Would you make the following prayer your prayer? Heavenly Father, I repent of my wrongdoing. I open my heart, and I want to have a personal relationship with you. I trust that Jesus died so I could be forgiven, but He didn't stay dead. He rose back to life so I could have eternal life. From today on, I will follow you, transform my life through your truth and love. In Jesus' name, amen. Congratulations. If you made that prayer, God lives in you and now you have a new life in him. Connect to a church so your faith and love for God can continue to grow. We believe that you can find a loving and encouraging community in Dayspring Church. Come visit us. You belong here. We would love to meet you.